Welcome to the Oda Magazine podcast. We at Oda desire to give a deeper insight into the people we spend time with through a podcast featuring creatives and entrepreneurs across art, fashion, films and other creative disciplines. Each episode highlights the work of individuals actively participating in culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future dealing with themes such as diversity, equality, understanding and, of course, passion. Odda is a platform where self-expression, imagination and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. So, uh, you have a brilliant and long career as an actress, model and producer. Uh, do you remember your first ever audition? What was it for? And do you remember your first feelings and emotions when you joined the industry and overall in your first auditions and how this has changed through the years? Um, I, I really think my first audition was for um, a commercial. Okay. I think it was for a, a deodorant called Tickle Deodorant, <laughs> which is no longer, but um, that's what I remember. And I remember doing commercial auditions when I was in college in New York. And, um, and, and I actually got a, uh, my first real, I guess, considered a break for a, um, a soap opera because I was doing a writing assignment for... I was a journalism major and I just didn't care about getting the part and I got it. And I feel like that's actually a really good lesson for uh, relaxing on camera. Just, I think it just sort of, sort of gave me, I, I don't know, I don't know what, but I didn't care and I was really loose. <laughs> it took me kind of probably years to get back to that. But yeah, so that was my first. And then, um, there's just this sort of season in your life as an actor over time that there there's definitely, I, I recognize this because my son has recently kind of gone through it. He's an actor too. And there's this time where you're getting close and getting close and getting close and not getting it. And um, it feels like your career is auditioning, <laughs> right? And then, then you stop auditioning. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, one of your most memorable roles at least to me, is Sally Albright in When Harry Met Sally by Rob Reiner, for which you have received your first nomination for the Golden Globes. Uh, then you have been nominated another two times for Sleepless in Seattle and for You've Got Mail, both by Nora Ephron. Uh, so how have you felt during these three pivotal moments of your career? And was your reaction different? And How was it like working with Nora Ephron in 1993 and then in 1998? What changed for you? Well, she really is somebody who changed my life. You know, I mean, she gave me, she had unbelievable uh, um, confidence in me that I didn't have. And um, I think uh, those, those, I'm so grateful to her because all of those opportunities came um, really from from her and um so I can't really remember the question on the phone 
but well, you you had a lot of um of nominees for the the golden gloves in different moments of your career right. so how you approached that oh well you know i i um i the, the, those nominations and things like that were certainly like like a real compliment but also they they just made me really nervous <laughs> Like I don't think I don't think I've ever actually won an award, but I have been nominated for awards, and it's sweet. It's just sweet. It, so I guess I don't put much um, emphasis on awards, but definitely on those experiences, and definitely on being around somebody like Nora because uh, she she not only changed my life as an actor, but she sort of inspired me in lots of other ways, like as as a woman in the business and as a uh, such a keen observer of life and so um, willing to be entertained by other people um, and uh, willing to be, um, she just, she just loved witty people and she loved people's intelligence and she loved observational humor and she was a great hostess and she was a good friend. And so uh, I got a lot from my my relationship with her so that's the real prize really <laughs> and you you find it different working with her uh, almost 10 years later yeah. uh, i mean when she was for harry and sally she was the writer on the set and then sleepless and um uh, you've got mail. We were we just knew each other better, so everything was easier, and we had a we got more of a shorthand. Okay. And um, uh, for some of your roles, you have shared screen with uh, names such as Tom Hanks in projects like Joe versus the Volcano, and also in Ithaca, the movie you directed. So, how was working with Tom Hanks as an actress, and twenty five years later as a director? And uh, what Mr. Hanks provides to, to you as a, an actress and a director uh, in your personal space, or maybe you have any funny anecdotes to remember? Um, well, first of all, you know, he did me an incredible favor to come and do Ithaca. There's no reason he should have done that. So that's just the kind of stand-up guy that he is. He showed up and he sat, he flew in and he sat in that crazy little honey wagon, you know, and just wild, it was so nice to everybody. It was, it's just fantastic, you know, didn't have to ask twice. And we were all just so, just so happy about it. <laughs> and um, uh, he is, uh, you know, as an actor, he's just so relaxed. He has real confidence in his uh, ability and he, makes everyone around him re really relax. I'd, I'd say that he's a really contagious person. You know, his kindness and his intelligence and, and he elevates places and people that he's around. I mean, he's as good as they get. I, I don't know, he's everything you would think and more, really. And uh, uh, so you, you find a difference in working with him as a director? Well, in Ithaca, I was acting with him and I was directing him, but you don't have to direct him. He just does, he's just, he has better ideas than you're ever going to have. <laughs> so just, just try not to get in the way, right? But um, yeah. 
Um, and continue with Ithaca, this movie was your first experience as a director. Uh, what is Ithaca for you and why was the film you felt this is it, the right project to become a director? What are the, the different processes to follow into the preparation of a project as an actress and as a director? Well, I love the story and I, um, and I think that's what like the first thing that has to happen as a director you just have to fall in love with the story because it's going to be three or three years maybe of your attention on the story and what i loved about the book and the story was that it, it was a coming of age it, it was about a kid who wanted to do the right thing you know and maybe that's a really old-fashioned idea maybe kindness is an old-fashioned idea maybe integrity is but i when my son, when I was raising my son and my, and my daughter, I, I was like interested in how they were going to learn, not just from, from me, but from their community, how to be good people. And the protagonist of that story tries to do the right thing. Even in these, he has to do a really hard thing. Uh, but he, he, it, it's about becoming a man of integrity. And um, I'm interested in that. I, I, I'm interested in men with integrity. How do you get to be that? How do you get to be a person who does the, who's interested in becoming a better person? Um, so that story was compelling to me and I wanted to serve those ideas. And I, it was small, you know, and I didn't, I thought that was a good thing too, that I would, there's so much I didn't know as a director and then so much I surprisingly did know. So. I, and I love being a director, by the way, and I'm trying to be, you know, where I'm in the process of doing that again, because it's, it's an experience when you're on the set, mostly, that you, all your senses are lit up. You, you have experts around you who are talking about light and other experts talking about sound and then amazing actors like Sam Shepard and Hamish Linkletter and my son was in the movie and little kids just starting out. And you're just compelled by all of these different and your different artistic processes, processes, and you're in on it with everybody. So that is really fun and a real education in everything. Like uh, one quick example is that when you get to post production and you put in the sound, um, I, all of a sudden you're paying attention to the screen in a and you're you're paying attention in a whole new way. You just you're listening and watching something else is going on you're 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 um teed up and all the you're awake you're really awake in all, to all these different things and and so i'm watching the the coverage as i watched thousands of times in the editing room and i was like you know that just like sounds like a super abundance of birds why are we having so many birds and the guy said to me he goes well in 1943, there were 60% more birds. <laughs> I was like, wow, I love that he knew that, you know? And those are the kinds of things that I was like, okay, just pretend it's 1975 then and have less birds. But, <laughs> and or getting it like to Sam Shepard, it was one of his last projects, you know? And I loved understanding and seeing his process. So, uh, and it was so different than Hamish and it's so personal and intimate and 
lovely. It's, I don't know. So I want, I really want to have that experience again, uh, because it's a way of really being awake to the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, Changing subjects, I think your daughter is 16 years old. And uh, how do you see the youth of today driving through the different pressures of society and the need for perfection? How do you remember your teenage years and how or who do you think Matt Ryan would be today living youth in 2022? Oh, that is such a good question, Alberto. Um... Uh, yeah, so she's 17 mm -hmm. and, um, it really is interesting as an old person to see, uh, like you get to a certain age and you, you have expertise and all of a sudden it's not useful <laughs> because <laughs> they are onto something else and you don't, can't relate to it really. You know, the idea that you would outsource you would like look at this little phone and have, not that Daisy does this, my daughter isn't really into social media, but a lot of her people, her friends are. The idea that this would have some power and not the thing that you could just throw away, it still blows my mind as an old person. So I, I think navigating this idea of perfection or this idea of a projected life, like I think social media is really a projected life, not a real life. And it seems so real. And there's so much, there's so much feeling of being marginalized and left out because of it. Like, it's really, really a difficult thing to navigate at that, at that age. And maybe they'll someday see the, you know, power of it and try to keep it from kids until they're more, their brains are more developmentally, you know, um, like just, you know, like they always say about drugs and drinking, the later you start, the better it is for your development, your psychological development. And I think they're finding that's true about social media as well. So if I, I, I think that my daughter is a much sturdier, she has a very sturdy sense of herself. But if I was somebody, um, I think of my 16 year old, like ridiculous self, and I would have been probably caught up in it all. <laughs> you know, like probably caught up, but thankfully she's not, and I'm not, and, and, you know, we're, we're pretty happy about it. <laughs> and um, uh, actually changing again subject, what does the fashion industry represent to you? What is fashion for Meg Ryan? Okay, well, Alberto, I've had sort of an evolution about this. Yeah. Um, I used to, I, I really think it's fun now since we have nowhere to go. <laughs> I miss dressing up. Like I really like doing that photo shoot because I liked wearing clothes that were like not my usual blah, 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 which I have on now. You know what I mean? So yeah. to me, it's so fun now to see it as an ex personal expression and not as like doing it the right way or not having any of that, you know, like, any, any need to please anybody else, but to see it from this place of expression and, and artistry. And the other thing is like, you know, my daughter started sewing 
and she's really into now learning about the history of fashion. Mm -hmm. And but she's a really interesting person because she's like the, the women's movement plus fashion and pockets and corsets and like what happened. And she's a, she's like a intellect about it and a, and a, um, a student of it. So she's turned me on to a lot of appreciation that I wouldn't really have, you know? That's amazing. And um, regarding the red carpets and awards, I would like to know the, the beginning of McRyan's red carpet situation. Did you style yourself or did you have someone who was helping you and supporting? I know that many actresses used to buy their own clothes and make it work, and make it work with not much. Was it uh, this your case? Also, do you remember a look you would say, that was a big moment for me? Yeah, in the beginning, we didn't have stylists. Can okay. you believe it? it? We had hair and makeup and every now and then you'd have help like with the stylist. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember when there, I almost remember the very beginning of red carpet when Joan, remember Joan River? You probably don't. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just this moment where she just was, was so funny and she would talk to people and it, that became institutionalized obviously, but It was a it was an innovation. There was a moment where it was an innovation and it felt kind of fun to talk about what you were wearing. And I know it's I obviously now it's an industry, but uh, I remember um, that, that evolved to like I would do photo shoots for magazines and I got to know stylists and uh, that really influenced, you know, I, I started to understand like what looked better on me and what what was a waste of time <laughs> what I should avoid yeah. Uh, uh yeah so it's trial and error man trial and error okay and um this issue of Oda is our 10th anniversary and uh, as a theme or storyline we are providing a visual conversation as well as interviews like yours a link with what has happened in the last 10 years So on a societal or cultural side, what are the events that in your opinion have significantly marked this period? The last 10 years? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, well, I guess we'd have to say COVID and yeah. uh, we'd have to say, um, all of this political division. And I think um, in America, you know, uh, and well, there was one more thing I was uh, just about to write down. <laughs> division, COVID. Also this, um, I think it's kind of good that the this idea of as much division as we have there's also this much bigger understanding of how many people have parts of their identity that feel marginalized and hopefully it will evolve out of this place that's so combative into more empathy and kindness that we you know, like, hopefully this is just the first step along the way to peace, you know, and 
empathy and kindness to one another. But first, this this sort of this uh, fractious expression has to happen. And um, obviously, COVID, like the it's we're just going to be trying to figure out how this changed our world for years and years to come and in these in these ways that like for me about um like um where i live changed and these this time where we couldn't see one another that really affected me i was really became so much more appreciative and grateful for the people in my life. Um, and so those things are like little seeds of, of, of emotional sort of seeds that, that bloom now into like, it, cha it changed like just deep in my life in so many ways, my, deep in my appreciation of the people uh, in my life and of the good things that we, we all have because they felt and still feel sometimes very much under threat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I must confess that your film French Kiss by Lawrence Kasdan with Kevin Klein is a movie that I've seen so many times. How have you managed to reach a great balance between romance and fun in your characters? Also because throughout your career, you played many different roles. What are the ones you are most bound to? Who has left the most intense mark on you? What are the roles? Um, I love that movie too. You can't even find it. It's like really hard to find. How do you find, do you have a DVD? No, I, I see in, in TV, oh, they okay. do that like every season. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, um, wow. Every single one of those, those experiences was so just great. So um, I, I really love doing When a Man Loves a Woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved doing all those movies with Tom and Nora. I loved when, um, um, seems so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kevin Klein and the, and so the question is what, what were the biggest influences on I did a movie with Jane Campion that I really am proud of. Um, she was a, she was the first, she really, um, represented to me a, a real freedom when it came to be an artist. And she, I remember her saying about our movie, she goes, ah, it's just like a, yeah, it's like a restaurant that. It, you know, it serves one thing. If you don't want it, don't come. <laughs> she, she was so free. She really, her um, desire to make movies was about personal expression. And I hadn't really come across that. Like she wasn't, she was there to say what she meant. So, oh, there's so many great people that, that you know, so many great people. So I wouldn't be able to single out just one really. And how have you managed to found a balance between romance and fun in your characters? Between romance and... And fun, the fun aspect of... How do I find the... Uh, well, oh, uh, I guess that's a good question too. Um, I think those movies, romantic comedies are kind of 
they're they are really kind of unique you know they're hard to, they're hard tone to get because they are romance and they are fun they are but they're not like an out and out slapstick comedy and they're not like a you know they're they just marry these these two genres right in a very particular way so uh i don't know i don't know how you find a balance i I don't know if I exactly understand the question, but it's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a mystery. I don't know. That's something to do with rhythm. It has something to do with positioning yourself so you're going to have fun being open to, to what happens, to being curious. Okay. And um, I don't know if you follow the upcoming and rising actors and actresses, as well as the mm, fun momentum finally back to the pop culture. Uh, is there anybody that has impressed you or still impresses you today? And have you been following anybody in particular and thinking about working together? What advice would you give to them? Well, I think there's a lot of amazing people and I just, uh, there's, there's so many great actors. Um, i you know we recently voted for the you know nominated people for oscars and stuff and so i looked at the there's like the sears films and that girl alana ham came from um licorice pizza she's fantastic okay. the girl from um and the guy and the boy in that too uh philip seymour hoffman's son he's great and the I, i'm not sure she's a she was an the actress in the worst person in the world have you seen that Yeah. Renata, I think she's fantastic. Um, there's, there's just, there's just so many, <laughs> but those are the ones that come to mind right away. Like I've been very, uh, like very moved by them in their performances this year. And what, what, would you give them any advice for their career, for their future? I would say, honestly, I would say, don't read about yourself. Okay. Forget it. And I would say, you know, that, that any artist really to stay true, to stay authentic, to stay authentic. And that um, requires, you know, sort of like paying attention to that little voice inside. This doesn't feel exactly right. This feels like selling out a little bit. This might feel a little bit like, well, I'll do it, but I don't but stay true because that thing, that connection you have to your inner voice is what's going to sustain. Um, and one of the of your latest movie appearances has been in 2015. Have you dedicated time to yourself and your family while preparing to come back as a director soon? Well, yeah, I have. I, um, I, yeah, I, I've been, I, yeah, I've been living life, you know, I think that's good too for any artist to get out of the double bubble yeah. of uh, Hollywood and stay, just stay connected to everything else because sometimes you, you, you feel like you're in a one horse town that's only about movies and TV but life is so uh, there for you as an artist to keep on taking from and then use it later in expression. So 
yeah, I think if you define yourself as an artist, you're always interested and you're always living your life fully is artistry. You know, it, it contributes to your artistry. And um, what do you consider to be your biggest achievement in life and in your career? Mm. I don't know. I can't, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I think I'm all right. <laughs> I think I'm an optimistic person, probably. I think that I am still an optimistic person, despite some of the ways that life thrashes you around. Yeah. So probably that. And um, one last question is, uh, looking into the future, how do you see the future? What about the next years from now? How do I see the future? Yeah. Of just life. Uh, uh, Gosh, I don't know. I mean, maybe like, I don't know, man. We got the metaverse coming up. Who knows? Yeah. It's just going to be wild. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. <laughs> well, um, okay. I think we have it. Okay.